Hello there, welcome back to Cluster Fudge. Once again, we got Alex in the studio. How you doing, Alex? Hello, I'm doing great, Alan. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right, we got a few things, uh, a big cluster fudge of topics. What do we have first? That's that's right. We we are gonna uh, we always start with Transformers stuff. We can jump right into the Transformers like we usually do. Um, I just wanted to share a short uh, story. You know, I always share the Transformers with my son. He's five, obsessed with the Transformers. And um, a few weeks, a few months ago, or something like that, I was at the store and they had a original Speak and Spell. And since he's going into kindergarten, I went ahead and bought it for the nostalgia. And so we've been playing and using it so he learns his letters and so forth. And uh, I was going through the letters, teaching him how to spell. And the word was above. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, so he was kind of spelling it out. And he went A-B-O-V. And I'm like, well, there's an E at the end, but the E is silent. And he says, Daddy, that's what Megatron says all the time, silence. <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome. So yeah. he always says some funny stuff that somehow relates to the Transformers. So I thought it was great. That's but, cool. Um, Yep. Um, so, Transformers Siege came out. Netflix. The War for Cybertron. War for Cybertron. Chapter 1 is Siege. And uh, we've seen all six episodes on Netflix now. Yes. And uh, Spoiler alert. Yeah, we got some spoilers for you. If you have not watched Siege, uh, skip this section. But uh, it's it, um, what, what are your thoughts and opinions so far? I really liked it. I don't understand why it's being so bashed on media um there's a lot of people that do love it but there's a lot of people that are just like you know so nostalgic for g1 that they're going to reject anything that comes out there and I, I i just i don't get it i don't see it i i understand there was some sort of union contract issue as to why they couldn't get cullen and welker to do the voices would that have made it better sure i didn't really have a problem with the voices i thought whoever did the voice for optimus prime did the best job that he could to mimic how Cullen sounds, mm-hmm. and I was fine with it. Um, I was fine with Megatron. Um, I thought the voice acting. I thought the voice acting was really was great. I, I really didn't have a problem with it. I, I really felt back to G one with it. The guy that did Starscream made him sound so much like Chris Lotta was awesome. Um, you know, they had Soundwave have a little robotic voice. Of course, it wasn't the same as the the show, but I was fine with it. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're a voice actor. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I thought the voice acting was fine. I, I wouldn't say it was remarkable, you know, like I wouldn't say it was great particularly, but I, I wouldn't criticize it either. So right. I guess if it's not distracting you, then it does its job. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. you're still focused on the story and who the characters are and, uh, comparing it to the source material being G1 and, and other versions of Transformers, I love that it really did incorporate a lot of its predecessors, particularly G1. And um, in knowing G1, in particular, if you've watched seasons two and three of G1, then you know the Golden Age of Cybertron, all the stuff that led up to the Great War with Mm -hmm. the Decepticons and the Autobots. And it feels like that heavily influenced this uh, plot. Because this takes place before, you know, the Autobots get to Earth. So you've got stuff with them scavenging for Energon and describing who they were before this war hit. So Megatron is talking about the gladiatorial stuff in the stadium that the Decepticons went through. Mm -hmm. That was in Five Faces of Darkness. Mm -hmm. And uh, Optimus talking about... Um, how he was basically a clerk, which there were some comic books that came out in the early 2000s 
that described Orion Pax as a librarian. And okay. I thought that was really uh, all around. I thought it was really cool how many nods there were to older Transformers plot lines. So that I thought was the main strength of the show. Yeah, I, I, I really, as I was watching it, I said, I, I really want this to be a prequel to the show that we know. And as far as I watched it, other than, you know, the death of Ultra Magnus in like episode four or five, um, which, of course, I mean, he died in Transformers the movie, and it was very easy for the Junkions to put him back together and him be okay. So I'm sure they could write a way to have him come back, but um, I, I, you know, I didn't see any reason why, you know, unless it's, even if it was like sort of like a multiverse where it was just like a little alternate take on what we know, um, that it that it definitely ties heavily into to uh, everything we know, you know, I mean... Even in the beginning, it was great. You know, you had the Seekers, and then you had Jetfire was in command of the of the Seekers, and you know we already knew that he was a Decepticon before that, and he had a relationship with Starscream, and and I loved how Starscream uh, resented the fact that Jetfire was in charge of the Seekers because it was uh, an homage to what we saw in the G One show, how Starscream resented the fact that Megatron was the leader, mm-hmm. and he had the same personality and characteristics, but it was toward Jetfire instead of Megatron. Um, there, there was just so much really to love about it. Uh, the, my only criticism really is that it was very, very talky. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of dialogue and the pacing was kind of slow, especially in the first three episodes. It does pick up. Um, you know, people had also criticized like, why are the Transformers walking everywhere? Why don't they just transform? Mm-hmm. But you know what? I could also accept the fact that they're low on energon and maybe they can't transform and maybe that burns more energy. So... Maybe that is why they're walking everywhere. Okay, I'm good with that. Um, you know, I, I, there's just a lot. There was a lot to like about it. I, I, I've seen a bunch of the shows. I could never get into them. Uh, the human characters that they've had in the other shows have been very one-dimensional, and they focused more on them than on the robots a lot of times. Like in, I can't even remember certain of the shows that I've seen. But um, in this one that you knew it was going to be all robots and it was all their characterization and it was more of the mythos, more of the stuff that we like. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did notice that they shied away from a lot of their vehicle modes in part, maybe because it's almost kind of hard to justify this origin story because they, they seem to basically be in their earth modes on Cybertron. They're very... Right. Little things that separate it from, you know, an Earth, uh, what, um, Kenwood truck. What, what is, what is Optimus in the? In oh, the I don't 80s? know the type of truck. Yeah, but, but he's he's a he's a semi, right? And you have, um, you know, Sideswipe straight up looks like a Lamborghini, and and other characters that just look like their 1984 vehicle counterparts. And why? Well, I guess that's the suspension of disbelief. There's a a, uh, a similar evolution of the technology on Cybertron as there was on Earth, I guess. Because um, the, they, they do try to make it look a little bit futuristic with some of the imprinting on the detail. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they just look like the, the 84 toys. And I guess that's a concession. If we want these things to look like our old toys, we got to just accept... Sure. <laughs> that they look like that on Cybertron. And if they are going to become like vehicle modes, then they're going to look like 2020 vehicles. You right. know, if, if they get re- reformatted mm-hmm. when they arrive on Earth. So 
I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Or they just maintain their Cybertronian forms and they, they fight like that. And that, that it is what it is. But uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. If, if we can maintain toys that look more like the toys we had growing up and they have fantastic robot modes, I'll, I'll accept whatever they give me. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're trying to sell toys anyway. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they released the toys months and months ago. And, I, I mean, the show was supposed to come out, I think, originally in June. And then for one reason or another, I don't really understand why, but I guess COVID pushed it back to July uh, but even still, even before, way before June, the stores, the toys were on their shelves and, you know, the whole Transformers is, is to sell toys. I mean, everything they're doing, they're trying to sell toys, even though, you know, they try to write good plots and have people interested and, and so forth. Um, yeah, everything, everything was, was great about the show. Um, I, I thought really, except for the pacing, um, and the talking and, and, and the movement on that. And again, I know it takes a lot of effort, especially with CGI, to go ahead and animate the transformations and animate battles and 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 so forth. But um, you know, it's the closest representation thing that I've seen to mimic the first five minutes of the Bumblebee movie. Um, mm, yeah, that everybody loves and be like, you know, we want a whole movie like this. And then this. This was a, a movie. I mean, you're talking about six 22-minute episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a movie. Yep. So, I mean, you could just watch them consecutively and be like, this is a this is a good movie. Now, I know it's part one of a three-part series where the second part is going to be called Earthrise, and it takes place on Earth. Mm-hmm. And then the third part, I forgot what it's called, but somehow they travel in time and they get reunited with the Beast Wars. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, so somehow they're going to tie in the whole Beast Wars line and mythos with the Maximals and the Predacons hmm. into this series. Okay. And the hope is maybe they make everything all tied together that both G1, this show, and Beast Wars is basically all the same multiverse. Hmm. And somehow they make it all connect and, you know, maybe a little things are you know, don't make any sense, but we'll, we'll overlook those and, and, and just have one complete kind of grounded story. Um, you know, again, I mean, they're going to go to earth. We, we don't even know where this takes place. Like we assume this takes place 4 million years ago because Mm -hmm. it takes place before the events we see in G1. Right. So if they're headed to earth and there's no time warp, are they landing on earth 4 million years ago? Mm -hmm. Because then it would still fit into the continuity because we don't, we never saw that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, all of a sudden it said four million years later in the first episode of More Than Meets the Eye. But maybe there was a whole section of stuff that happened that they just jumped over. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe the arc crash landed and a bunch of stuff happened and right. then they all got knocked out. And maybe this new show will fill that gap in mm-hmm. and explain more of it. I don't know. That would be kind of cool if they kind of bridge that. Right. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. So... I definitely give it a thumbs up. I mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, have you talked to other people about it? or? Uh, yeah, I've uh, talked to at least a couple people, and they, they all, they're all our age. Mm-hmm. And they seem like a, it's a good show. It's, it's one of those things where it doesn't target the, the preschool, you know, the, the elementary school-aged kids. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more for grown-ups who have this nostalgia for it. However, having said that, my eight-year-old watched it and she enjoyed it as well. So it's uh, she's very well versed in G One, 
and uh, several different iterations of Transformers. So I think she's very willing to accept whatever difference you're going to give her once you start the series anew. Right, and it's funny. My my son, I mean, he he knows G one. He's of course younger than than your daughter. He's five, but um, I don't know for some reason he's he loves watching season one of the Transformers, and then he loves going all the way to season four and watching Rebirth. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot he's he's missed. But he, uh, you know, we just started the other day watching season two. I said we're gonna sit down and watch season two. So there's all these characters that you've never met before. I mean, mm-hmm. tons and tons of characters introduced. Right. Because we were watching Siege, and he didn't know about the Guardians and Omega Supreme. And, uh, you know, he, he knows about Alpha Trion, kind of, because I got the Alpha Trion toy that we reviewed, you know, a few shows ago. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think he'll enjoy watching season two, and then maybe we'll go revisit Siege again so he can kind of make the connection. I mean, he doesn't even know who Red Alert is. Right. You know, and then, of course, Red Alert was a prominent character in, in, in Siege. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, great, great show. Um, highly recommend if you haven't seen it. Sorry for the spoilers, <laughs> but um, you know, s- stick with it. Don't just turn it off after one episode. It, it really does get better. Um, just the twists and turns, introducing Sound Blaster yeah. and the alternate faction that's on Cybertron. Did we name that group yet? Is it? I don't have know. A name? I don't think they have a name. Okay. No, and then. I need, I want to find a copy of that symbol. I don't know if it's actually like the Autobot and Decepticon symbol merged together or it's something different. I, yeah, I didn't yeah, haven't a get look. a good look at that. And then, you know, Bumblebee kind of being like a freelance scavenger was just a great addition to the show. Mm-hmm. Starting the show with Wheeljack and Bumblebee, just like the original show, was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they totally they totally knew what they were doing. I, I, I have faith in the writers on that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of going through Transformers, I did bring with me, uh, Combiner Wars Devastator. So, um, this was a reissue. I don't know how many years ago it came out, but, um, I was online. I think it was within the last five years. Okay. I was online and, and somebody was saying that they wanted to sell it and they gave me a good price. And, uh, when I found out, I mean, initially I think it retailed for about 150 and this guy was selling it for 150 and I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay. I don't think I'm going to get a better deal because I see it going online for three or four hundred bucks. Um, so I went ahead and, and bought it. My son loves the construction construction vehicles. I had the original Devastator, but unfortunately, alas me, like many children of our age and generation, for some reason, we move out of our parents' house, we leave our toys there, and then our parents want to remodel and change rooms around, and the the Transformers end up on the planet of junk. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I don't know where my original Devastator is. He's lost for the ages, which is disappointing. Yeah. But um, I was able to have the opportunity to buy this guy, and I I think he's fantastic. I, um, the, the vehicles are larger than life. I mean, they're three times the size of the original toys. And then, of course, Devastator sits about 18 to 20 inches high, which is uh, just massive. I mean, you could put, like, one of the bigger Optimus Primes next to him, and it's, you know, like, very screen accurate. Um, and, uh, you know, comes with all the all the bells and whistles about him. The uh, transformations are pretty cool. What I really like is each individual robot um, in their robot form is very screen accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of detail on the faces. There's a lot of posability on the arms and legs and joints. Um 
you know, I could play with him more. I have him in, in Devastator mode right now, but, um, you know. It, He's about two feet tall. Like, yeah. That's, that's yeah, he's a, almost two feet tall. A nice, uh, <laughs> nice size figure. He's a pretty big guy, yeah. But yeah, I remember the cartoon really did depict him as just towering over everybody, right? And um, like when you had the original Devastator, he was probably about the size of Blaster when they was all together. Was, yeah, they made Blaster really tall because his legs all folded up around mm-hmm. to make his thing. So yeah, he was one of the taller ones, which made no sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it was because it was different scale. All right. the micro men micro change they were a different scale than the the car robots but uh, this this is really impressive like i've got a uh, 25th anniversary optimus prime mm-hmm. that would probably come up to his uh, chest of devastator here and it's a uh, it's it's a nice big figure i like it yeah and, uh, devastator should be yeah so um i highly recommend picking him up if you're a fan of of devastator fan of the uh constructicons um Again, the drawback with him is just like any of these toys. They're all made of plastic. There's no metal components at all. Uh, the old ones seem, you know, more durable. The wheels roll better on the older versions. Um, but other than that, they did make some changes to them, which um, are pretty cool. And um, Long Haul, which is the dump truck, and he does the, he's the torso of, of Devastator. He's massive. I know you can't really tell on here, but I mean, he goes here basically from the knees all the way up to to up to here. You can tell the wheels that are sticking out of Devastator's hips; those are those, his yeah, wheels. Holes, right. Those are easily bigger than any of the other wheels of any of the other uh, vehicles here. Yeah, I mean, Devastator, or I mean, Long Haul is about twice the size of the individual Constructicons that are there. Wow. Um, whereas he was a, a little touch bigger on mm-hmm. the on the original Devastator, but. Um, Great piece. Highly recommend picking him up. Um, yeah, that's that's all I got to say. He's definitely would be a centerpiece to a collection that you'd put on a shelf, or or just to have him tower over the rest of the robots and and stuff. He does take a lot of work to go ahead and and put together. Um, I would definitely say he's eight eight years old and higher to try to put him together. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to watch the video a couple of times. And I think I could do it by myself now, but um, there's there's a good amount of work that's that's put into it to transform it into Devastator. Whereas, you know, I was eight or nine, and I could do the old Devastator like in my sleep. It was it was much easier. Right. So. A lot of new Star Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've been seeing in the news the uh, I saw I don't know a lot about it but I mean Nickelodeon is producing a show called Star Trek Prodigy I think it's going to be aimed toward children no I didn't know that so they have that coming out and I don't think it has a release that date yet but um, on August 6th they started the first episode on the CBS All Access or you can get it on one of the apps uh, of that Lower Deck show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the animated show. It's from the producers of Rick and Morty. So it's kind of that Rick and Morty type style with that kind of humor, the over-the-top stuff with the kind of graphic in your face. And it's supposed to be a comedy. Mm-hmm. And again, they're doing Lower Decks, similar to the TNG episode Lower Decks, where they focus on you know a bunch of ensigns that are on the crew and not the captain or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um I know they're going to release one episode a week for 10 weeks, and that's going to lead right into the season three premiere of Discovery. 
And then they're going to do 13 episodes of Discovery. So that's they, they're they trying to market it as 23 straight weeks of new Star Trek content, which is cool. Hmm. Um, I still have yet to see Discovery. I do want to see it. I know you said you've seen season one and two and you liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think probably around now would be a good time to kind of slowly get into it. Because by the time I get to season three, it'll probably be over. So I could probably watch... You know, a year's worth of Star Trek right. all in a row that's all new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested in that. And then later in 2021, they're talking about season two of Picard. Mm-hmm. And then this other show called Strange New Worlds, which is going to take place a few years before Discovery. And I think focus on uh, Captain Pike. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested in that that Captain Pike series. Yes. Um, but apparently there's been some rumors that uh, Patrick Stewart wasn't particularly fond with where Picard wound up as a character. Yeah, I saw something about that. Yeah, he was not happy with the fact that they killed him off and turned him into an android, which is odd because I thought everything was cleared through him first. Yeah, it seemed like he was part of the like production team. So yeah. <laughs> how did that blindside him? How did you, yeah, how did you not realize this was the case? You, you didn't read the end of the series? <laughs> you didn't read the script as you were, like, before you shot it? Yeah, that is odd. Was but it just cue cards? Maybe it's just a rumor. I have no idea. But I know plenty of fans were also feeling the same way of, like, why... You said on this show, why kill him off if you're just going to bring him back as an android? Yeah. I, you know, I wasn't... I know you'd reviewed it. Uh, before with Carlos and everything, I, I wasn't, I wasn't all that impressed. I mean, you know, I know they're gonna do more nostalgia stuff. I've I heard rumors about Jordy. I heard rumors about Worf. Mm. Um, of course, uh, uh, Patrick Stewart on the air and on the View said he invited Guinan, mm-hmm. got in, or uh, Whoopi Goldberg to be Guinan, and she said yes. So you know they're gonna incorporate a bunch of that stuff in. I'm sure Seven of Nine is gonna be back in it in one way or another, and her character was great on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, in my opinion, the only redeeming character, other than I really did like um, Data's uh, what you call uh, what was his name? I don't know. He was like Soon's son or grandson or something. Oh like right, that. yeah. Soon Soon had a son, a biological a son. biological son. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I liked I like that character, I, and I and I think. Uh, I know Brent Spiner, he, he's like, I'm not going to play Data again. I'm like, yeah, but you told me that 20 years ago, <laughs> and you still did it. But um, never say never again. But, yeah, so, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what direction it goes with Picard. Um, but Lower Decks, so I, I know you haven't seen it. I did have the opportunity to watch the first episode. Um, I was I was not impressed. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've seen Rick and Morty. I like it here and there. This was just too over the top for me. Um just the jokes I thought fell flat. Uh, there was a lot of dialogue kind of talking really fast. It just, I don't know. It was just, it it wasn't, it wasn't for me. It was a little too graphic. Um, like without, spo- I mean the first episode though, one of the characters goes onto a planet, gets bitten by some mosquito and then comes back to the ship and turns into a zombie and everybody else turns into zombies and they're ripping people's heads off and throwing up black stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, eh, you know, I, it's it's not really Star Trek, but it's obviously set in the Star Trek universe. But even if it had nothing to do with Star Trek, just on its own, like I wasn't really interested. I didn't really find myself laughing through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, nothing nothing that I would recommend. Okay, um, in my opinion, maybe it'll get better. I mean, it's like Transformers Siege. 
you know, the first couple episodes were a little bit slow, but I stuck with it and it got better. So, so we'll see if, if they get through the 10 episodes and there's a more positive review and it says that you got to stick through it, then maybe we'll revisit it. I know you had said that you wanted to watch or wait till it's all out. I'm waiting till the season's finished before I watch it at all. Right. So we'll, we'll see. There's another interesting thing that I uh, popped in my head while I was driving here, actually. I was listening to the news, and the news was talking about they had an interview with somebody that lives um, just outside of Beirut, uh, you know, last week, the uh, explosion in Lebanon, which was crazy. I'm sure we've all seen the video. It was insane. And so they were talking about how beforehand the government of Lebanon was kind of on edge, and people were upset about a lot of stuff about the economy and about where they're taking care of the virus and, and all this other stuff. And then, you know, this tragedy happens. And why did the government hide explosives for six years in a populated area? And this was bound to happen and it's horrible. And, you know, now people just want to leave and they want to get out of the country and they hate everything that's going on. And, you know, all these people are, you know, 300,000 people are homeless because of this explosion immediately popped in my head, the beginning of star Trek six. And I'm like, I feel like it's the exact same thing. And I'm like, what a cool, not, I mean, not cool for these people, but what a, what a interesting analogy, you know, whereas, uh, I mean, I've, I've been to Israel, I'm, I'm Jewish, so I follow what's going on over there and everything like that. And, and it's interesting, you know, because Israeli and Lebanese tensions have always been high. And Israel offered their support to go ahead and help the Lebanese out. And I couldn't help in reading these articles and listening to the news and feeling like this is Star Trek Six all over again. Yeah. You know, exactly where there's like this crazy explosion. They need help badly. They weren't expecting it. And like even people who are their enemies kind mm-hmm. of want to help out because it's so Star Trek. So what you're describing is first art imitating life and then life imitating art because Star Trek six was inspired by the Chernobyl incident. Oh, really? And yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas okay. Meyer described that it was all it was all Cold War. So okay. everything in Star Trek Six was Chernobyl, and it was the coming down of the wall, and you, you, the 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 wall had just come down when mm-hmm. um, Star Trek Six came out. That's right, like a year before. Yeah. So it was all about the fall of communism mm-hmm. and uh, us making peace with our enemies, and yeah, Chernobyl was what was reflected in the destruction of Praxis, the okay. moon of the Klingons. And there are even um, direct quotes from the Cuban Missile Crisis in uh, Star Trek VI. So when he says, don't wait for the translation, answer now, is verbatim what was in the Cuban Missile Crisis um, in the United Nations building when the U.S. ambassador confronted the Russian ambassador about um, the Cuban Missile's location. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I never knew any of that. I'm going to have to look that up. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to rewatch the movie in a new light now. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yep. I've, I've actually been rewatching the movies with, with my wife. I, I think I shared we watched Star Trek 2. So I said, you know, well, so we watched 3 and 4 in the interim um, just to complete that cycle. And, you know, she thought 3 was okay. And then she actually enjoyed four with the whales and everything and the humor and everything. Thought that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I probably wouldn't subject her to watching five, except for maybe the beginning <laughs> scene when they're camping, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does not apply to the rest of the right. the series. But but I mean six. I mean six is awesome. So 
um, you know, the, just the murder mystery, the acting, just mm-hmm. everything about it was 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 great. Yep. And uh, you know, I think she would get a kick. She's a big fan of Sex in the City. Oh so yeah. So I think she'd be uh, get a kick out of uh, Kim Cattrall playing uh, Lieutenant Valeris. Yep. And that. So. Um, but yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna look in that at a new light now about what you said about the Cuban Missile Crisis in Chernobyl. That's pretty interesting. The Orville, mm-hmm. you know how um, I guess just production costs were high, and they so moved forth. it from Fox to right. straight to Hulu, straight to Hulu, mm-hmm. and then they said I think it was supposed to be some point this year was supposed to come out, and then maybe COVID delayed it, so it's going to be next year. Um, I read an article, and it seemed pretty legit that this is the last season. Mm. Okay. And I don't understand why. I mean, it mm-hmm. seemed to be very popular, and I know Seth MacFarlane was super excited about it being on Hulu, and he was going to have some more time and money to go ahead and really make the show he wanted. I thought mm-hmm. the special effects were great, right? but now, without any time constriction, I mean, you're really going to put the thought and time into it. But, you know, with Seth MacFarlane, I mean, they canceled Family Guy about 97 times, yeah. and it's still on. Right. So... You never know. You might chop that around, and maybe it wouldn't be the last season. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know if that was just something with Hulu. With the last season that they had aired, was that Hulu exclusive? Like, did we already see one, or have they just been? No. That okay, was so that was Fox. Fox. Yeah, first two seasons were on Fox. Okay, because it's been so long. It I has. was Because I've always watched it on Hulu, so I can't differentiate between oh, okay. Fox and Hulu. Right. So I didn't know if I'd seen it exclusively for Hulu yet or not. So it sounds like um, when it was on Fox, they might have had a more uh, more of a budget. Because with broadcast television, you've got more quote-unquote ratings yeah. To pull from. You've got a larger audience base. More people have aerial antennas right. as well as internet and cable TV versus Hulu where it's exclusive to who's a Hulu subscriber. You have to have internet and subscribe to Hulu mm-hmm. in order to even watch this. So right, right. your audience base shrinks. So if your potential audience base is that much smaller, then it's harder to justify a larger budget as a result. So maybe that's exactly what we're looking at here. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm hopeful. Uh, I mean, unless season three completely falls flat on its face. Yeah. Um, and it's not just. I mean, you've got great special effects, sure, mm-hmm. but it's not just that. You have a large cast of actors who are all experienced. It's not like they just plucked someone out of nothing. They've all got past experience on television and whatever, and so they're in demand, so to speak. Like they're qualified. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's going to be expensive as well as your special effects. So it might be a situation where someone like Adrian Palicki is like, I can't wait around forever. You know, like I, I got, got other, other projects. I got other offers and yeah. I got to I got to do stuff that and could be they, they, they got to work while they're young, too. Like, yeah, if you're someone who's getting work because you're good looking you you got to get that work while you can. So I could see how people just can't be on the show forever. Yeah, and then, you know, I don't know if it didn't really help anything where Palicki and Grimes got married, mm-hmm. and then three, four months later, I think she filed for divorce. Right. And then they got back together and annulled it, and then they then she, she refiled again recently. I saw. Oh, wow. That's So that's a mess. <laughs> that's, I don't know what's going on. That's got to be great to work with, I'm sure. So that's that could be contributing <laughs> to who knows what. Right. 
So, I mean, it almost seems like one of the two characters almost needs to be written out of the show or yeah. something. And she's a big part of the show, too, so... Yeah, you know, and I, and I mean, I like Grimes. Grimes has been around forever. He's got right. that baby face. I mean, I remember him in Critters. I don't know if you watched ever You, saw you pointed that out to me. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, he was Critters, and I mean, then you saw him like in uh, ER and Band of Brothers. I mean, he's been around forever, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's it's interesting to see. I mean, you know, I'll I'll I know the first two seasons they only did like maybe thirteen or so episodes, um, each. So maybe this season they'll do like twenty or twenty two or something like that, and that'll be uh, that'll be good. But um, yeah, I I, mm-hmm. I hope some way by the time that it's all said and done that they do find a way to continue it whenever they they go ahead and air it. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I really enjoyed the show. It was the closest thing to Star Trek that we had out there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. But Discovery, I mean, it's it doesn't feel like Star Trek, or I mean, I don't. So Discovery is not Orville. It's I mean, they're they're both modern day shows came out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Discovery feels more cinematic and way more serious because it's not a comedy. Right. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't owed Next Generation quite as closely as Orville because Orville made a concerted effort to be a satire of TNG. Right. Um, so I think that's why the, the the style of storytelling in Discovery is way more serialized. Mm-hmm. One episode bleeds more into the next one much more than Orville, which will have background story arcs. But for the most part, it is episodic. saw a funny thing online about uh, somebody decided to go ahead and, and take all the Star Wars movies and retitle them all based on knowing the whole story from one to nine. Um, and I thought that was interesting. So I just for fun before I saw what that person did. And I don't even know what they did because actually I don't know if I finished the article. But um, <laughs> So anyway. you don't have the titles to movie at your disposal you just you learned of the concept and you're like oh i could do something like that and so you rearranged it with your own justification i rearranged it with my own justification without seeing what their opinion was okay. on it All so right. i don't know what their opinion was and of course it's a thing for debate so i thought it'd be a cool discussion so i just okay. wanted to hear your take so mm-hmm. um what i had originally written down after a little bit of thought so i had the first one being the Force Awakens. Okay, right. Okay. So it sounds like a beginning. Mm-hmm. Um the second one i put Revenge of the Sith Mm-hmm. Um, third one, Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Were they striking back? I mean, but it's the creation there's, there's, of the Empire. Yeah, there is no Empire yet. But, um, but yeah, so you're leading on that. Okay. Uh, number four, I put The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, number five, I did Attack of the Clones. It was hard to put that somewhere. I didn't, couldn't put that in two. Mm. And so I had to put it in five because... The Empire is striking back, and that was the only where I, place I could see it fit. So. Hmm. Um, six, The Last Jedi. I think that definitely okay. makes more sense than Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, seven, The Phantom Menace. Because seven is originally Force Awakens, right? So okay, we we don't know who Snoke is. Okay, There's true. Going on. Mm-hmm. Um, eight, A New Hope, because you know Ray's learning to be a Jedi. And mm-hmm. trying to fight the First Order. And then Nine had to be Return of the Jedi. Because especially mm. at the end of the movie, when right. she channels all the Jedi, 
to take down Palpatine. Right. So, um, I don't know. I mean, your yeah, thoughts? I'm not looking at the the original uh, person who did this. His, uh, but it sounds like some of those overlap. Like the, I think you had the same justification that he had for at least two or three of those, right? In there, um, yeah, it's one of those uh, backronym type <laughs> things where now it's all laid out. You can you have the luxury of several decades of okay now since these were named after the fact you can rearrange them on your own and mm-hmm. it's it's uh, you can have some good justification for it but i think it does lend itself into some of these being some very awkwardly titled movies like how does phantom menace really relate to episode 1 it's like okay there's uh sidious in the backdrop puppeteering but for the most part, that's not the sense you get from the movie. Right. Or even A New Hope, which was titled after the fact. It was released as just Star Wars. And then right. when it was re-released after, I think, Empire Strikes Back gave an episode number to itself. When people saw episode five, they're like, what are you talking about? Right. This is Star Wars part two. Right. And then they then Lucas went back and was like, okay, episode uh, four, A New Hope. And it's like, A New Hope? What does that have to do with anything? But okay. Um, yeah, and it's it's there, there are some awkwardly titled movies in the Star Wars saga for sure. So this kind of alleviates uh, that problem. I, I, I think it's fun. Um, I don't have a, a strong opinion one way or the other. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, it's a fun way to revisit it. And I do remember seeing the video of the guy who, who posted this. And he's like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, well, like when he rearranged them all in his own, he's, he's talking about like, oh, you, you mistitled all the every one of these movies, all, you know, all nine. all nine of the movies have been mistitled. And he's like, this is the way it's supposed to be. Like, he's like, come on, guys, you clearly weren't thinking this over. It's like, it's yeah, you yeah, got hindsight's 2020. Hindsight's 2020 so Good it's, Lord. It's, it's funny for 40 years. I mean, he's joking. Yeah, he's, it's tongue right. in cheek because clearly he didn't think of. It's we know for sure Lucas didn't write saga, you know, episodes seven, eight, nine or any of these movies all that far in advance. Right. He had several drafts of the saga in mind, but like they all got thrown in the trash when he finally went to to write it down and film it. What do you think of all this controversy that's coming out where they're just like, you know, they're trashing like Kathleen Kennedy and they want to mm. redo the the sequel trilogy? And- so, OK, let me let me address this, because I feel like Every one of these articles I read, the source for any of these stories is this one guy who's on YouTube called Doomcock. <laughs> right. That's his that's his nom de plume. Nice. And he, awesome. he it's ridiculous. He's, right. he's he's a faceless person. He wears a mask when he does all of his things and he, and he talks in a digitally altered voice. Okay. So he's completely anonymous. Who knows all the sources for Doomcock? Mm-hmm. So to speak, is that his Sith name or is that his regular? Uh, anyway, but he yeah. he's a fake supervillain that okay. is trying to take over the world. But mm-hmm. he clearly has it out for Kathleen Kennedy and all the new Star Wars movies. And so anyone who dislikes the new Star Wars movies gloms onto this guy like freaking mold. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. But anyway, he's been saying that Disney's going to fire Kathleen Kennedy for quite some time now they have yet to fire her mm-hmm. now the the rumor is that she is going to step down on her own volition what's going to happen as a result is anyone's guess fans have been wanting uh the guy who's been running all the tv series 
uh, for the last few years. Uh, the guy that came up with um, Rebels and, and the new okay. Clone Wars, and he did Mandalorian, and he's been like the producer. Not Favreau. Not Favreau, no. The, um, the, the, I just I don't have his name That's offhand. That's okay, yeah. But um, the fans have been loving him because he's been doing a pretty good job of representing what Lucas's vision uh-huh. of Star Wars always had been. And like he did a great job of tying in Lucas's original concept of the Jedi being influenced by uh, samurai mm-hmm. and that they're being uh, a Japanese like Akira Kurosawa mm-hmm. influencing all the, the Star Wars movies and such. But anyway, long story short, a lot of people who have a little bit of an inclination against um, the movement of women being shoehorned into sci-fi, like you, you see the the anti-female Ghostbusters crew coming out and mm-hmm. screaming an, about anti-Ray of Star Wars fame and and such. And look, I none of these things are without criticism. Fine, I have you know a few issues I'll I'll give, but I'm not filled with anger, rage, and hatred about some of the stuff that I see being written on the internet. It's just out of hand. Mm-hmm. Do I think Kathleen Kennedy's incompetent? Absolutely not. Have you seen the movie she's been tied to? I mean, like pretty much every Spielberg movie mm-hmm. she's been an associate producer of, and that's right. talking E.T., Poltergeist, yeah. Back to the Future, Indiana like Jones, yeah. everything he's yeah. done, she's been involved in. So like she knows what she's doing. Sure. It's just she's not a creator. Mm-hmm. She's a producer. She can get stuff done. She's great for the corporate executives, but she's not a creator like, you know, I think Lucas is not so much a suit. Mm-hmm. He's he's more of a creator. The brain, yeah. Yeah, so Spielberg is a creator. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, I think there was a problem here, um, giving her maybe a little bit too much artistic license. But I think also she was like, oh, um, you know what? You, you're good. You do it. And then where we get this piecemeal three different um, visions or two different visions for the, the sequel trilogy of star Wars is where she didn't quite have hands on enough. And I think in some situations like with solo, she saw the writing on the wall of, uh Oh, the fans are rebelling. What can we do to make this more fan palatable? Mm-hmm. And so she fires the, the guy that did Lego movie in the middle of star Wars and replaces him with Ron Howard in doing the solo movie. Oh, the guy that did Lego movie was the original director. He was the original director of Solo and I think he was a little more humor-based and tongue-in-cheek and then Ron Howard came in and delivered a little bit more of a serious take on it and you can feel it being a very vanilla movie at the end of the day. If you did you see Solo? I still haven't seen it, no. So, that was my opinion of Solo. I didn't hate it, I didn't love it. I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. So, I I yeah, that it is what it is. I'm not a hater. I'm not a Kathleen Kennedy hater. Mm-hmm. I just I also think that there's room for improvement. I don't disagree with the idea of having this guy running the the showrunner for Rebels and such doing the movies going forward. I think that is a good idea cuz he does have a good a head on his shoulders and mm-hmm. a creative mind. But the hatred for Kathleen Kennedy, I think is just out of hand. Right. We'll see what the, what the future holds. I mean, I know they're going to do Mandalorian season two. I haven't watched these. I watched the first one or two episodes. I liked it. Um, I know it's been 
widely praised and uh, people are excited about season two mm-hmm. of that. And I know they did a new epi- uh, new se- season of what was it? Clone Wars. Like if they finished this, the they finished the last, they did a la- final season, the final season yeah. of that. And mm-hmm. I haven't watched any of that. So mm-hmm. I'll be interested to watch that. Yep. Um, so there's Star Wars content out there that I could get my fix on before they do something new. Of course, but uh, I mean, you know, they they probably would need to put the whole Skywalker thing to bed yeah. at this point mm-hmm. and just focus on just other things and other characters. Right. I mean, I know they're still trying to do the Cassian Andor series, which I would be interested in. Um, I know Ewan McGregor said he's all in on this Obi-Wan series, which I think they were going to start mm-hmm. production on. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, until COVID hit. Right, right. I think they were like ready to rock and roll with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, especially with him in the role. I, I really enjoyed him in the role. Mm-hmm. Um, he should have been the star of the prequels. It was it was unfortunate that they didn't revolve the, the prequel trilogy around Obi-Wan. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I kind of felt that episode two did revolve around him per se, with the exception of trying to focus on Anakin and Padme's relationship. I mean, we followed Obi-Wan to um, Kamino with the clones. Yes. And then we were with him on, what was it, Geonosis with the with the big battle at the end. And, mm-hmm. You know, he was in most of the movie. We, we were kind of following him. Yeah, I mean, you you would split the plot into an A plot and B plot. Right. So you have Anakin and, and Obi-Wan separated. I thought that you should have had Obi-Wan, the central character, in Episode 1, mm-hmm. and Episode 2, and Episode 3, and have it be his um, journey. And basically, it's it's his redemption at the end of Return of the Jedi. Because in, in doing so, you see... The, the the friendship, the camaraderie, the training that Obi-Wan Kenobi contributes to Anakin. But in the original trilogy, it's Obi-Wan redeeming himself in training Luke, in fostering mm-hmm. Luke, and then in Luke and, and, and Vader overthrowing the Emperor. Now Obi-Wan is redeemed at the end. And Obi-Wan was in all six episodes. Right. So I thought that that would have been a better choice than to make the prequels all about... Uh, Anakin and if not Anakin then you had introduced Qui-Gon for whatever reason you know it's like you don't need a Qui-Gon in episode one if you're focusing just on Obi-Wan Kenobi and his relationship with Anakin yeah the the introduction of Qui-Gon was kind of interesting um, although I did really like the character mm. and maybe it's something maybe Liam Neeson was maybe more an established actor than Ewan McGregor maybe when they brought him in, he said, you know, I want, I should have more scenes. It should be maybe, you know, I was more, he was more of the, of the central focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but totally. Yeah. I mean, I think if he, but it was sort of a coming of age for him too, where, you know, then he finally has to, when he defeats Darth Maul. Last I had was a Universal and um, AMC, and they all the movies we were talking about before. The movie theaters were fighting with each other about the video on demand, and they came to an agreement like about a week ago that said that they were going to do uh, a 17-day release in the theater. So basically, 
The movies are released on a Friday, so that would encompass three weekends to the to that mo- to the next Monday, mm-hmm. um, and it would be exclusively in the theaters. And then the uh, studios would have the option to release them video on demand, or you could go see it in the theaters. I don't know what's going on exactly with the theaters. I think they'd be going back and forth about if you're wearing a mask, if you're not wearing a mask, with concessions and whatever they're doing. Uh, who people feel safe or unsafe, but you know, I mean, they're charging thirty, forty, fifty dollars at home to go ahead and rent the movie for 24 or 48 hours. It just, it seems like a lot. Yeah. Um, it's weird that they came up with the agreement. Um, because you know, a lot of people are like, you know, it's great. I could watch it at home. And I guess it makes sense that if you have, you know, a family of five and instead of paying $12 a ticket, I can get it for half the price and I have to pay for the popcorn and the soda and all that. Mm -hmm. But again, you're watching it on your TV, right? People go to the theater. I mean, you want to see Avengers, you want to see, the Top Gun sequel, like in a movie theater, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I just, I wouldn't get the same feeling even if I had a projector and everything at home to watch it like that. It just, I still would want to go to the theater to see it like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't I know. know personally, I avoid opening weekends. Oh yeah. You know, absolutely. totally. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't stand like overly crowded the theaters crowds, yeah. and like trying to find a seat. And well, I mean like, now that's not the case cause you pick out your seat ahead of time, but but I remember just the the hassle of dealing with just so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, people don't want to be in large crowds be for, <laughs> right. for the pandemic's sake. But uh, um, yeah, it's um, I remember that the original uh, price model is that the opening weekend, the studio gets like the, the whole ticket revenue. And then okay. every subsequent weekend it starts getting more towards the, the theater because what the, th- the studio's uh, concern was we put all this money into promotion. Mm-hmm. We got to recoup that money from promotion. So mm-hmm. the opening weekend, that's us. We got all those people in there the opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Subsequently, you know, as we go forward, we're putting less into promotion. So you guys... Word of mouth. Yeah, word of mouth. And you guys as the theater, you guys get to... I mean, you got to pay... The, the electric bill somehow. So they're the, the theaters recoup their money as they go on. And okay. that was always my justification for seeing a movie later too. Not only am I avoiding the crowds, I'm also benefiting the theater, you know, keeping the money local, right? I'm paying for those ushers and those ticket terrors and mm-hmm. the people that clean the seats and just to, to keep the, the theater that I prefer open. Mm-hmm. And so I would intentionally go and see a movie two, three weeks out Mm -hmm. just to support the theater. Mm -hmm. So now you've got a situation where, well, if you thought people were dropping off after the second or third week, then (laughs) wait till we just introduce the concept of watching them completely at home in the third week, you know, as as your competition for showing them in the movie theater. So I can imagine these movie theaters who were depending on people seeing the movies three, four weeks out now are going. Well, now how are we going to pay to to refurbish our our seats and our theater and such? Yeah, I just I don't know what the what the whole demand is because you're still losing that movie theater concept. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if they don't want to, I know they make a lot of money on the concessions. That's why they're overcharged. But I mean, you know, I, I think people would still. I mean, honestly, if you're sitting there and you're like, hey, "Listen, I could pay twenty bucks and see the movie at home, or I could pay twenty bucks and go see the movie in the theater," people are going to go to the theater. It you depends know, on who you ask. I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, first of all, if you're afraid of 
COVID-19, you're definitely not seeing in the theaters. So those, there's those people. Well, yeah. But, and there are I quite mean, a few of them. But, I mean, for argument's sake, you take that out of the equation, just talking okay. about the experience in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would I would always want to see it on the biggest screen possible. To, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, certain times it's just going to be amazing experience. One of the most amazing movie experiences I ever had is, I mean, so many years ago, probably 20 years ago or something, I saw that uh, there was an IMAX theater. There's an IMAX theater over Kennedy Space Center, mm. and they had a limited release where they were showing Apollo 13 mm-hmm. on their IMAX screen, like one showing a day. You go mm-hmm. there, you buy a ticket, you do the thing, and then like at three o'clock right. is the movie, and then you leave at five thirty or whenever it's over. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. Yeah, I mean the scene where the Saturn V lifts off, and you're watching it like you felt like you were actually watching a Saturn V take off, and you were right next to it, mm-hmm. and then that whole movie where the you know the capsules in space and space and it's on an IMAX and it's all around like you feel like you're in it was mm-hmm. just an incredible there's no way I could duplicate that at home for no value I mean right so I mean a, a movie like Gravity did you ever see the movie Gravity I did yeah I mean you have to see that in the theater watching mm. it on TV does not do it justice mm. um, I mean there's a lot of movies like that so I mean I really hope the theaters like remain open and mm-hmm. um, well that's going to take a conscious effort on the audience to do so. Yeah. I mean, like, we could also make the argument about shopping malls. Mm-hmm. Right? Look, all these great experiences you've had in shopping malls, and it's like, hey, I can walk through an air-conditioned hallway to go to a variety of stores and see things in person, you know, hold them, touch them, uh, feel them before I, I make my purchase, and now that option is slowly going away because of the alternative the the convenience of shopping from home mm-hmm. and not being you know, also the prices you have to charge more money if you're going to sell something in a mall so the the reason why we're only seeing high end retailers maintaining at malls is because all the minimum uh, medium priced retailers are just they can't afford the rent at malls anymore you have to buy something from Saks Fifth Avenue or whatever yeah. high end real um realtors out there real <laughs> retailer, retailer excuse me yeah um so yeah we're seeing the the middle american mall just dying completely dying and it's mm-hmm. not to say that there's no value in a mall we loved our experience at the malls but when it's okay you're gonna buy this toy for a 15 percent markup well no okay then you, then you can't go to the mall anymore you know yeah, and you know, I I had this idea a long time ago, and I know I'll, I'll publicize it because I have no intended in, in doing it and with malls going, but um, I had this fantastic idea. I thought it was a million-dollar idea regarding the malls. Like, you know, women, they love shopping, love going out and going to the mall and mm-hmm. seeing the clothes and dry, and there's still no substitute to that, even though what you're saying, you can get it cheaper, but then you don't know the size and how it fits. Mm-hmm. You get it all the way to your house. You try it on. You don't like it. You have to send it back. It's a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. So, guys particularly usually don't like going to the mall. They're going with the wife and mm-hmm. so forth. And I said, you know, all these malls need to find a way to get a liquor. And this is before COVID. Mm-hmm. Get a liquor license. Mm-hmm. And you know those stupid piercing pagoda and nonsense stores in the middle? Forget them. Mm-hmm. They're all bars. Okay. All the way down in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the sports is on all the TVs there. Mm. So, wife's like, honey, I'm going to the mall. I'm coming with you. Right. Here's my credit card. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit here and have a couple drinks and watch the game right. while you go shop for three hours. Mm-hmm. 
The guy doesn't care because he's getting his football fix and chatting with his buddies. Right. The wife is out shopping. It's a win-win for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the mall is making money and all these places are making money on the alcohol sales and right. everything like that. I mm-hmm. mean, I had this concept like years ago because years ago when I was dating my wife and she took me to Tory Burch and I'd never heard of Tory Burch. And we walk into Tory Burch and she's looking around and they're like, can I get you a drink? And I'm like, a drink? And they're like, yeah, we have water, soda or beer. I'm like for free and they're like yeah and i'm like really? so here i am with a beer <laughs> like a little coronita extra uh-huh. like like beer and i'm walking around the store and they give you like free alcohol i'm like this is a great idea yeah because you know your inhibitions are lowered when you're drinking so you have a couple of drinks or wine or whatever that is true yeah. and then you may want to spend 200 dollars on that belt or something right and i'm like this is a fantastic idea i did think this t- as well like you know people do pub crawls and and go to dance clubs mm-hmm. and whatever. It's like why wouldn't a mall benefit from catering towards that? Right. Having a bunch of bars and dance clubs and stuff that's going to draw people. But the question is, I've seen bars and and dance clubs fail as well. You you have a, a Miami, for example. Mm-hmm. You would have the same club venue have like seven different names within a month's time. Oh, sure, sure. It's because they, they're hard to maintain. Yes, people want to go out and club and, and drink and dance, but getting that buzz, getting to be the most popular place for people to go is really challenging. Right. So that's the unfortunate, the the risk you take in trying to promote a, a club atmosphere uh, as opposed to you know the original retail model. I just think it would be a great idea. It would help a lot of marriages stay together. Uh, and then not only that, you could help the community out too. Then you could also partner with Uber or Lyft or something like that. Mm-hmm. You could have a whole stand outside the mall mm-hmm. for all these people that have been drinking. Yeah. And then just have like a whole, like a ta- like like they have at the airports in New York, mm-hmm. you know, a whole taxi service. And you have a bunch of Ubers just sitting there waiting for all these drunk people coming out of the mall. Right. And just shuttle them home and shuttle them back and forth. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a win-win on the economy all the way around. Yeah, but- yeah. Tough with COVID and everything else going on. Mm-hmm. So, um, last thing off topic from sci-fi, but I just want to get your thoughts on. Like, I don't know if you saw. I posted on Facebook the other day, and we were talking about um, this whole thing with college football. Like, I, um, mm. you know, the 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 Mid American Conference is one of the conferences in college football, and they canceled their season due to COVID. Right. Um. So I was like, well, this is the beginning. All these other conferences are probably going to cancel or so forth. But what really upset me and bothered me about it all was that the Mid-American Conference canceled its football season, and they say they did it due to COVID concerns, and I'm sure that's part of the reason. But the other main reason that nobody talks about is that all these other conferences decided to schedule their games within their conference. Mm -hmm. Like, all the big boys usually schedule a MAC team here, there, or wherever. Correct, yeah. And you have all these Mac schools or these small schools that basically Florida will play Toledo to come play at Florida and pay them like a million dollars. That million dollars funds the football team, funds the women's soccer team, the volleyball team, all these other sports that it funds there. So not only is it helping the revenue for that university, but it's also helping to pay for the scholarships for all those student athletes to go ahead and go to those schools and get an education. Mm -hmm. So now all the big boys, the big power five conferences are like, well, because of COVID, we're just going to play in conference. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Right. You know, Florida had to retune their schedule and is going to play at Texas A&M if they have a season, Mm -hmm. which wasn't on the schedule, but they can't play Florida State, which is two hours up the road. That makes no sense. No, of course. 
So it, it doesn't protect you to go ahead and just play within your conference. It's a ridiculous thing if that's gonna if that's your reasoning. Mm-hmm. And you've just eliminated all these small schools which depend on your revenue. Yeah. It's a win win situation. You get the easy win. They get the money. Yep. They fund their athletic department. Right. Their student athletes get to go to school for free and get mm-hmm. an education. You're getting all the TV money. It's a, it's a win win for everybody. Mm-hmm. And now by doing this, you've just shut them out. Yeah. And so I was, you know, I am so upset about everything that's going on with the schools. Mm-hmm. You know, I said I, I, I would be a hypocrite if I was going to support college football this year because I can't support the power conferences doing this and uh, eliminating the little guy. And then all these kids that go to these smaller schools, you know, may not be able to go to the schools and get an education now because the big boys wanted to be selfish and keep all the money in their own conference. So, um, you know, now they're talking about like, well, the Big Ten and all these other conferences, they're going to cancel. But then the SEC came out today and said, well, we're going to play football. And I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, well, let's say the SEC and maybe the ACC plays football. Right. So what you're going to have 40 teams playing college football and mm-hmm. what, figure out a national championship when half the other more than half the teams are not playing. Well, yeah, it's big, stupid. What's it's the big, point? Big Ten sits out. That means there's no Ohio State. There's no Michigan. And right. it's like, OK, these are national contenders already. So it's like, are you going to have a legitimate national championship? No without a big 10 participation and yeah no i agree with um what's to your point big 10 was one of the first to announce they were going to go exclusively within their conference yes so they already started this thing going and Mm -hmm. then for them to back out now saying oh we're just not going to play at all interesting right it's like you were the ones that caused this whole mess to begin with like so now you've got mac teams struggling because they have no big 10 opponents Miami was going to play Michigan State this season. Now they can't. So that was their biggest out-of-conference game for the season. So now they had to scramble to rearrange stuff. So they had to go with their uh, concept of redoing stuff, adding people within the conference to their schedule. So ACC, now they're not exclusive because UAB was on Miami's schedule for 2020 um, after the fact. Like they added UAB as as an out-of-conference opponent. Mm -hmm. So they're in that lower the tier. The ACC has an extra game that they're allowed yeah. to do that, right? So they they're doing that, um, but they had to rearrange. So now Clemson is on Miami's schedule, oh, whereas lovely. they were not before. <laughs> I mean, look, our strength of schedule looked like garbage. Like without Michigan State, it was like, well, what do we do? Okay, we'll add a, a reigning national champion. It would have been better actually if they had Notre Dame on there. Yes, Miami, I wanted Notre a Notre Dame game for that sure. Been awesome, That's but Notre Dame. Notre Dame did get added to other ACC team schedule. I know, but it had to be Miami. I know. Anybody should have put it back with Miami. Of course, of course. But I think Notre Dame is Notre Dame. They don't want to play Miami on a regular basis. So, okay, fine. They should, though. Of course they should. They but really, we destroyed them. <laughs> we destroyed them when they came to town. Yeah. So. I mean, but there's so much of history. The Catholics versus Catholics, oh, like, bring it back every I year. Agreed. It would be awesome. It would have been fantastic. But fine. Uh, look, I'll take. I'm not complaining about Clemson being on the schedule because it right. totally legitimizes the schedule. Anyway, so it is what it is. I hope I hope the SEC and ACC digs in their heels and just was like, look, we're not we're not canceling. Now, it might come to the fact that if there's no Big Ten, if there's no Pac-12, then the NCAA is just going to cancel it all together. I could see that happening. I don't know if they have the power to do that. You don't think? I think it all relies with the with the commissioners. Okay. I, I don't think the NCA the NCA is not really like a governing body to go ahead and say. I mean, unless but they hold a national championship, right? So they wouldn't have a national championship, right? They wouldn't probably have bowl games. 
But for the individual season to happen, they would mm. still have a season. So okay. you would have the SEC have a champion, the ACC have a champion, okay. and then it would just end. There would be no national champion. There would be champion. no national champion. There would okay. be no bowl game. Okay. In um, which case, then it does make sense to play just within your conference if you're only playing for a conference championship. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I guess. It's just <laughs> It just makes it less interesting. Oh, for sure. And you know, again, like I said, I I'm I'm not in. I I, I would mm-hmm. be a hypocrite if I uh, if if I wouldn't be. I mean, I, I I have I have been loving that sports is back. I'm a big hockey fan, mm-hmm. and what they're doing with hockey is like a dream. There's like hockey games all day because there's no fans, right? So the games are starting at noon, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm. So there's like four, five, six games a day, okay? Because there are two different sites, so they play three games at one site, three games at another. So every day it's like it's like the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. and they're just going back and forth from game to game to game, okay? And you're watching live hockey like all the time, and they added extra teams for the playoffs. It, I, I thought it's been great. Hmm. But um, you know that that's that's been a lot of fun about it. Um, the all around thing with the national college football is first of all, it's it's a low risk age demographic. Are you really that concerned about players that are ages eighteen to twenty two, right, dying of COVID nineteen? Probably not because they're athletes. They're athletes, so they're not obese. They're not full of hypertension well, as long as they're not on the defensive okay defensive fine <laughs> some of those linemen are kind of heavy but <laughs> yeah, I get you. having said that they, right. they they're healthy enough to run in the hot sun on right. a regular basis right and do a lot of the physical activities they're athletes right but um they're not at high risk of dying from covid19 who are you really protecting here because you weren't that concerned about concussions you weren't that concerned about torn acls exactly it's right? so hypocritical. And on top of everything, you weren't paying them to begin with. So it's like, right. how concerned are you with these players? All of a sudden, now you're concerned about them and their quote-unquote health. But now they can get paid, though. They're supposed to get, be getting paid for their likeness on endorsements and so Outside forth. of college, yes. Oh, they, of, they, okay. can, they can basically do local ads right. and, and use their name for, for money, which makes perfect sense to me. Sure. I mean, like, if you're a celebrity, what it, it seems anti-constitutional. Right. Like if if I'm famous for doing something and then a governing body says, yeah, but you can't collect money for being famous. It's like, what? Mm -hmm. That makes zero sense. Yeah, they feel like they own you. Right. It makes no sense whatsoever. And on top of everything, it's just the schools that are that much better at hiding the fact that these players are getting paid that are the ones more successful. So anyway, it is what it is, but um but you make a great point there with the concussions and the and the and the, you know, career ending injuries. Right. And paralysis and, mm-hmm. and everything else. Yeah. It's just it's the th- the point I've been bringing up. But like you know, it's unsafe to open the schools because of COVID. But you were fine to do it after Columbine and so oh right Douglas. mass shootings, of and, course. And and I just I don't understand. You can't be a hypocrite about it. It's either no. one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'll be all for it. But I mean, you should have shut down the schools after after Columbine mm-hmm. and and you know had metal detectors and security guards right. and all of these people. And, you know, just like after 9-11, we had TSA and you know what? It would have been weird, mm-hmm. but we would have gotten used to it and we mm-hmm. would have been felt comfortable sending our kids to school that they're not going to get shot. Right. You know, I mean, go ahead and listen to P.O.D.'s Youth of the Nation. Uh, if you ever remember that song mm-hmm. from, from 20 years ago, it's pretty eye opening if you listen to the lyrics. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
yeah, I mean, it, it it's crazy, like you said. And, and you know, the SEC we had talked about before, you know, they want the coaches on the sideline to wear masks, and basically everybody on the sideline is supposed to wear a mask. Right. And I said, how does that going to make any sense? You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're on a third down play, and you're sitting there on the sideline, and the seven of you that are going ahead and substitute, and you have to wear a mask under your helmet, and then no. what, rip it off, and then go in, and just stop. This no, is you're, you're more likely to catch it in the locker room than being on the sideline outdoors. Right. You're outdoors for heaven's sake. It's like we we act like this virus is not a virus. Like we've been studying viruses for hundreds of years. We know how viruses operate. It's it's easier to contract it in an indoor air conditioned environment versus being outdoors. Mm -hmm. Now, on top of everything, these are guys who are tackling each other, whether it be in practice or on the field. This is a contact sport. They're they're face mask to face mask in many situations. Right. So to to say that you're suddenly improving their safety by wearing a mask on the sideline is just absolute nonsense. It's, it's ridiculous. The, the the what's making them safer is the fact that all these players are getting tested on a regular basis. So you're you're very unlikely to contract COVID from one player to the other because you've already ruled out the fact that they have it in the first place. Yeah, and I mean, something like hockey. They've been playing hockey for like a week now. Yeah. And these players, they're, you know, up against each other. They're fight, they're fight, they've been fighting, mm-hmm. you know, with bare fists and sweat and, and touching. Blood, and bl- blood. Yeah. Uh, nobody, nobody, zero cases. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I yeah. It's, it's, it's. And on crazy. top of everything, these players want to play. Like right. they're petitioning, we want to play. Let the kids play. I mean, they've been practicing. They've, they're sacrificing their bodies. They're sacrificing their time, their youth to do this. Like, this is what they've dreamed of doing. They've earned this right to play. Don't take that away from them. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I do agree with that, and I feel bad about it. But, I, you know, part of me still is, is just conflicted because I feel bad for all those those other student-athletes that are just losing their opportunity and I really wish they wouldn't have canceled those those small school games mm-hmm. um cuz I I really think they could have played but I yeah. mean we'll see what happens let's mm-hmm. let's hope this is all behind us in the next couple of months let's hope mm-hmm. I mean we're just mm-hmm. we're just biding our time right go from there so not to end on a down note but some positivity some hope for the future yes so that's all I got for today, man. Okay. Well, Alex, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me as always. And uh, if you've got any feedback to offer, please visit our Facebook page. We have a podcast cluster fudge play- page. You can search for on Facebook, um, a- apply to join the group and um, yeah, subscribe to this on iTunes and tell your friends to subscribe to this and made in the trade. See you guys next time. <laughs>